0: Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You're going to get spoiled, folks. Another victory podcast. That's four in a row. I'm joined by Les Carpenter from the Washington Post to discuss the 23-15 win over the San Francisco 49ers. We go over everything from Ron Rivera to Chase Young, Dwayne Haskins, and more. What does it all mean? I share a few observations, too. By the way, if you missed my interview with Ron Rivera last week, I'd suggest going back and listening. He was emotional about his cancer treatments. It was fascinating to hear him talk about it. Also this week, I'll have on John Riggins and Mina Kimes on different episodes. And don't forget to check out my work on ESPN.com. Of course, I have a story up now about Washington being in first place in the NFC East. There will be more throughout the week can follow Les Carpenter on Twitter at Les Carpenter. Before I play my conversation with Les, here are a couple thoughts. Pretty much any time I talked about Washington in the offseason, I'd always say they're going to struggle early and the key will be how they finish. I anticipated them playing better in the second half of the year. I did not anticipate them being, getting to 6-7 and seven with a massive shot at winning the division, being in the driver's seat to win the division. But I did figure they would play better. It was natural. First year in a new system. Young team. They needed to mature. Think of how much time Ron Rivera had to miss because of cancer. Yes, everybody saw him on the sideline, but you didn't see him at the facility after a certain time during the day. He was gone around five or six. No NFL head coach can do that and expect to have great success on the field. Since he's, Especially in this situation, since he's been done with his treatments, he's more active, more engaged in practice, bounces from group to group, is hands-on in, when necessary, whether it's visiting with linebackers, defensive line, Uh, offensive line whatever is that the reason for the four game streak no but it is something that helps but it's all why I felt they'd finished strong I felt six and ten would be the record because you looked at the second half of the year and at the time when you're making predictions it looked daunting now you have to think they can get to eight and eight maybe they can get to nine seven they upset Seattle the bottom line is though they put themselves in a great position it's funny because I think some people, especially a few weeks ago, would love to have seen them maybe not make the playoffs and get the higher draft pick. Sure, they need a QB of the future, but man, I'd much rather see them showing the growth and resolve that they have in the last month. That's how you build a winning culture, not by going, let's say, 5-27 and 27 over a two-year span. All that means you have is that you have a ton of work to do. Sure, yes, they need a quarterback of the future, but there are plenty of ways to get one. Seattle went 7-9 in 2010, 7-9 and in and 11, drafted Russell Wilson, then they're a playoff team in 2012. They had the bones of a championship team in place. Then they got their quarterback. They got lucky because he was a third-round pick, but they also liked him a lot. And that's the team he joined as, a again, a third-round pick. If you think the only way to get a good quarterback or to build a good team is by finishing the top two of the draft a couple years in a row – I suggest looking at teams and quarterbacks around the league, and where those quarterbacks were drafted. What we're seeing now is a professional coach that has a team headed in the right direction. We've all seen we've seen glimpses of the right direction in the past year, and it hasn't finished it off. All we can tell you is where they're at right now. Yes, we know, like I know, that there are issues with the owner, but right now they're going in the right direction. Where it goes up this year, who knows? But this is the kind of start you want if you're a new coach. Building momentum at the end of the year, you have a, a roster of players that really likes playing for you. To win, it takes mentality and the right players. If Washington had gone three and thirteen, you need a whole lot more than the, just a quarterback. And even then, a three and thirteen mark might have not have gotten them in position to even draft the quarterback that they like. Don't assume that they can just take one of the next best ones at that spot because. The the narrative is that, well, Zach Wilson's the third best or Trey Lance. They might not like them enough to take them. So you can't just assume that. You build with young talent and look at the players who have contributed here in a big way this season. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, uh, Cam Curl, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Tim Settle, etc. Then you have others who at times look look good and could be good like Cole Holcomb. I'd put guys like Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick in there too. Kendall Fuller is still a young player. The point is there's a good young base to build around, something I felt was the case entering the season. But if they had stumbled to the finish line, you would not be singing the praises of this group or the group that put them together to develop. You need to play and win. That is what Washington is doing. Les and I will get into a whole lot more, so I don't want to waste your time. So, after this break, I'll be back with Les Carpenter. We go in depth on Chase Young as we compare him to other top rookies we've seen here. There's really only one legitimate comparison. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, loneoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, Put a little Jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit loneoakcoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K-Coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with The Washington Post, Les Carpenter. Well, Les, I'm going to take you back a few weeks ago. I think it was about four weeks ago when you and I were talking and I said, Les, they're going to go on a four game run. I don't know if you remember that, but I do remember saying something like that. And if you if nobody can prove that I didn't. So here here we are. You I know, mean, I this... thought
1: you were really—I yeah, I fear you were high on Lona coffee at the time, <laughs> <laughs> and you—you uh, you never thought. You know, look, I don't think any of us could have. No, of course not. Four game right? But the thing I will say about this: you look at Ron Rivera's teams in Carolina, and they always played very well there at right. this time of year. There were always these runs. I know we've talked about this before. I think we've probably both written about it a lot. Yep, and we did uh, talk about it. Yep. They, yeah, they were very, very good second-half teams. They were very good, like, into November, beginning of December teams. And I remember thinking that before the season started with all that was going on and the fact that they didn't have any time to, you know, any OTAs and a weird training camp and all that, that there would probably be some games early in the year that they should have won, but they'd lose, and then they would be a lot better at the end of the year. The problem was, was that there was always this gigantic... Stretch of three games where you were at Dallas, at right. Pittsburgh, and at San Francisco, and who thought you'd go and then through Seattle. those? Yeah. yeah, and then I got this home game against Seattle. But these three road games, I always thought were you know the, the impediment that I just couldn't see this team getting around, no matter how much better they were playing in November or whatever it was. I just didn't see how you were going to go on the road to Dallas and Pittsburgh and San Francisco and win. And then they did.
0: You know, it's it's funny too because. I think, like, probably – I am don't, don't know if we actually did talk about this, but my feeling always was that they were going to be a second-half team because it was not set up for them to have success in the first half, given all that happened, given a young quarterback, new coaching staff, young team, et cetera. But I thought, like, they played better in the second half. I'm like, but where are they going to get the wins? Because exactly. you looked at the schedule at the early part of the year, and I, I'm a believer, too, is you can't – it's you. It's always when you play somebody is when it matters. You can look at the schedule in April, but who you're that San Francisco team in April looks a lot different than it does now. But still, you still got to go out there and do it. So it was hard to see where are they gonna get those wins. So, but I you know, I mean, when did you start to see they are developing a Ron Rivera type mentality out there?
1: To me, if I had to pinpoint a game, I think it was Dallas. I, uh, You know, the turning point obviously was uh, was a Cincinnati game the week before. Uh, I always look back, and I hate to even talk about this because you never want to talk about something in a positive sense of being somebody's injury. And, and what happened to Joe Burrow was horrible. And listening to his screams in the stadium and all of that, it was, it was terrible. But the fact that they took advantage of that situation and won that game said, well, that's what you do in the NFL. Right. How many times has that happened to Washington? And so you started to get an inkling of, well, maybe this team's kind of getting it a little bit, but it was Cincinnati. And, and while, yes, Dallas has certainly had its struggles this year, that was a road game, that was a high-profile game, a big game, a TV game, and, you know, you could see oh, that defense is starting to play a little more confident. That week before gave them a little bit more confidence in this game. You start to see that those linebackers that were hesitant before weren't hesitant anymore, and that defensive front was really starting to surge. You were starting to see all of that. And then Alex Smith kind of was stabilizing the offense. And so to me, I always think the the Dallas game was the one that said, oh, okay, This is starting to be the team that I think they were imagining. But who thought, okay, they're going to Pittsburgh the next week. That's not going to work out. And At the time, we still thought this game was going to be in San Francisco. And I don't care where it is. It's still a road game. And you still win it.
0: It is. And you know, it's funny because I actually think that the way not having fans at games has helped this team. And whether it was early in the year, allowing them to grow, go through growing pains without fans at the stadium getting on them, and I think going on the road in this situation and being able to just, just go out and play. You don't have to worry about anything other than playing. And if I wonder how much that has maybe worked to their advantage.
1: You know, I think so. The Dallas game was really the only one where there was right. a significant crowd noise. There was a little bit in Cleveland, but uh, 6,000 know, people. Yeah. And Dallas was the one where there was a lot of people and it was, you know, sort of that, you know, it's not fully enclosed because the roof was open that day, but it's still well enclosed. And, you know, that's a place where if you thought the noise was going to kind of come down and affect them. And I thought there was a couple moments where it got loud and it didn't. But you're right. I mean, this was, you know, Pittsburgh was a perfect example outside of this very loud horn. They blow on, they blow on third downs there. There was no noise at all. I mean, you know, Washington pulled this great. I remember thinking to myself the oddity of sitting in the stadium with in a press box with basically about 30 people and realizing we were about the only 30 people that got to see this right. huge upset live. And the same thing today. This place was even emptier. And, 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 you know, there was, I think, 200 people in the stands that were friends of family of 49 people. They just got swallowed up in this place and it was just dead silence. And here's all this, you know, kind of these kind of dramatic moments and they're just happening in a vacuum. And, and it's, it's weird because, you know, you, you've been on the road to these games. You know what these stadiums are like. You know what it's like when you're starting to fall. You know, you might be holding up a precarious lead in the second half and, you know, the home team is driving and, you know, there's, there's noise. And, you know, a quarterback might rattle like Dwayne Haskins might in that situation but doesn't because there's no noise to, to you know, to upset them. You know, it's, it's a very strange year. And it's in the back of my head I've been kind of wondering What's it going to be like next year for this team? You know, they have this big kind of breakthrough in the second half of the season, and maybe they win the division, whatever it is. What happens when they go back into a stadium with noise? I mean, what's that going to be like? I think that's going to be jarring.
0: With Chase Young, I mean, the guy's been terrific, and he's made a lot of plays. Have you been surprised by anything he's done?
1: No, no, just because I think we were expecting that this was supposed to be, you know, the once a generational player. And well, you haven't seen the big sack numbers and people have kind of made a deal out of that, there's always that one or two, mo, you know, those one or two plays in a game, those moments where you really need the big play going back to the Cincinnati game. You know, there was a big play late, you know, when he made that stop at the, uh, not late, but in the, you know, first half where he made that stop near the goal line. And then there was, you know, each game there's been a play. There was a game in Pittsburgh where he literally pulled a running back back from the goal line on that goal line stand. And so you've seen that these little moments, even ones where he's not the guy that, is gonna have anything to do with the play. He's not gonna he's not gonna be able to get a sack or something, but he'll notice that there's gonna be a screen all of a sudden and he calls it out and they're able to stop the play before it becomes something that's big. I mean there's been these moments where he just seems like he's different than everybody else. Both, you know, in sort of how he approaches the game mentally and sees it and how he plays and how he moves and everything else. And so yeah, I, I think the breakout game was always gonna be there. And then today it just I mean, the one moment Trent Williams comes out of the game, the one play he comes out and yeah. he absolutely blows up the, you know, the you know, the, well, the tackle moves there and you know thinks that he's not coming, and all of a sudden he just you know barrels in, and you know there were several moments today and he sees the ball on the ground, just picks it up and runs. He holds the ball like it's a toy, you know, it's not even <laughs> like it's a real ball, and it just there are so many moments where I feel like this is just it's just a different guy out here. He's just there's all these other guys, and then there's this guy, and he's just different.
0: And you know, it's funny because he just, he does look. I think when you, when we watch him in training camps, like he just looks different out there compared to everybody else, too. Um, and I think it's, it's as much, I think this, the kid gets it because the plays that you talk about him making are plays that are savvy vet plays. I think that's what jumps out to me is that he makes plays that you would expect of a guy who's been on, in the NFL for several years. Those, like, I expected big flash plays. Or, but you're seeing four plays or so every game that he impacts just because he knew what was coming. And it played, It might be an incomplete pass, but he made that play. There's no stat in that for him. That's what, to me, jumps out. I am just impressed with his preparation and, and how it plays out for him on the field.
1: Well, and the thing is, is these plays that we're talking about, these ones that he makes, that, that two or three, whatever it is, every game that kind of stick in our minds that he makes – are often essential plays that absolutely at that moment have to be made. The goal line play in Cincinnati, the holding the bat, the guy from, you know, scoring a touchdown in, in Pittsburgh. These things that come along are those two or three plays in a game that win you the game. Uh, I remember Chuck Knox used to have some line about, you know, years and years ago, you know, there's like five football plays a game, and, you know, you make three of those football plays, you win the football game, you know, the way football coaches used to talk. And you kind of chuckle when you hear that and yet fact is is it's true you know if there's those five plays on the field and Chase Young makes two of those or three of those well those might be the plays that that win you the game and you know when we talk about special players we talk about players that are just you know different and better than all the others that's really what we're talking about we're talking about the guys who can not get the four sacks or five sacks or whatever it is in a game but make those couple plays when you absolutely need that play right and that's, right. that's what's so great about
0: it. It is, and sometimes, again, sometimes that play is just diagnosing a screen pass and preventing a guy from getting a first down because you were in the right spot, and or not even you know you put your you put yourself in in a really good spot to stop a play, and those plays matter. I mean, that touchdown was terrific for him, and and it's it's seven points. It's hard to beat that. But those other plays add up, too. And those are like exactly right. Those are winning type plays. And plus, how many guys bring their mom into a press conference on their phone? <laughs> like did, you know, so.
1: Yeah, no, he's uh, he definitely understands what being a star is about. He's a star. He just looks different. He dresses different. Yeah. He, he I mean, when I talk about the players talk about in uniform, I, you know, everything he does is just a little different. And it's and it and it just feels bigger and it, and it feels you know, Washington Washington has had good players over the years and, and you know and that's and obviously not enough of them in recent years but there have been very good players here maybe some will have Hall of Fame careers but this guy I think might be the first real true genuine huge star. Kind of of the Snyder era, you know, that that guy who's a legitimate all pro for five years running or something like that, whatever it is. I feel like he is that guy if there's going to be one.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I go back to guys like a champ Bailey, for example, when he was first here. You just knew like this kid is different. And it's like, I think I'm watching the start of a Hall of Fame career. Now, I don't want to jump. That was after a couple of years with champ, too. But with with Chase Young, you see that kind of ability to go. Sean Taylor to go down that path. I mean Sean Taylor, and I should have brought him up first because he was different and he looked different. And I, you know, it took him a few years longer to I think put it all together, but um you know that trajectory was there like this like you just know I'm watching somebody who's different. And Sean was probably the last one without a doubt that that you felt like that. And now Chase Young is that guy, but I think a lot of it, it just goes back to it's not just the talent, it's the other stuff he does. That he puts into it, that makes the difference.
1: Yeah, it, it's just you're right, and it, it, it's completely different. And you know, when you when you talk about Sean Taylor, I you know starting to think that this defense kind of reminds me a little bit of that that Greg Williams defense that Sean yeah. Taylor was on. That you know it was kind of like you know maybe the last little kind of run that this team has had those two years and what a two out of three years that they went to the to the playoffs yeah. in, in the in the mid aughts, and. I... I see that a little bit of this defense. I see that same kind of physical, aggressive sort of style. And I wonder how much of that is these guys sort of feeding off of him and what he is. Uh, You know, is that I mean, we've all thought this is what's helped Montez Sweat this year. But is that what's also helping the secondary? Is that what's also helping Cam Curl be the player that he is and has grown into? And some of these other guys that, that kind of come out of nowhere in the secondary, I kind of wonder, are they feeding off of that? Know, maybe that's that's too much. But I do feel like there is an impact because he is on the field.
0: Oh, and I, I agree with that. I also think like a guy like Montez Sweat, I think he was going to have a good year regardless. I think he's a good player, really good player. And I think the other thing with Cam Curl, I think it follows – what Chase Young, who he is, because I don't, you know, he's not as talented as a Chase Young, clearly, but I think it's the approach he takes is is comparable, right? Because, like, he's in the right spot. He does the right things. He's Maybe he's not as talented. Now, today he was impactful, but he does a lot of the right things. So you put yourself in position, and then if a guy like Chase Young can force a bad play, or in that case it was Ryan Kerrigan on the pass rush, then Cam Curl can pounce. But, yeah, I think they all feed off one another, and especially a guy yeah, like and, it,
1: and that aggressiveness, that's what I like about Curl. I've yeah. heard, you know, I like about the Shazer Everett being out there yeah, in secondary it. now. I mean, it's, it's, it's starting to be contagious, and you're starting to see everybody kind of play with that aggressiveness. And some of that, I'm sure, is just comfort. You know, we talked about that they'd be a second-half team because they, they probably fit together a lot better. Uh, you know, all those other things, everyone's kind of getting what they're doing. They sort of settled into, well, this is who our season, you know, who we are, this is what our season is, all those things. But I still think that there is a tone that has been set Absolutely. By young.
0: And I think that energy he brings too is infectious. There is no doubt about that. So I think you're right that there isn't with young guys comes energy and that guy brings even more of it, you know, because a lot of guys are young. They don't play with, they don't, it's not just even playing with energy. Because a lot of guys aren't confident enough to assert themselves that way. This guy is.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and it's like, it's, like I, I think we both noticed it at training camp. What was it like? I, within the first couple of days, it was, I, I what was that? They were doing like a, there was a fourth down or something. And they, they gave the ball to Adrian Peterson, something like that, as I recall. There was a handoff to Adrian right. Peterson. And he just flew out of nowhere and just slammed Adrian Peterson to the ground. Yeah. And I think we all kind of went, oh. Oh, okay. I, I want to say that was within, like, the first three or four days. It was and, early. Yeah, and he kind of just kind of took your breath away and said, well, okay, this, this kid might be different. We, we heard he was different. We thought he was going to be different. But there's one thing between a first-round pick coming in and, you know, and everyone saying, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing, and actually seeing just the way that that guy moves, the ex- the, the burst, the, the little things. Remember, he was hurt through a lot of that kid. Right. And yet there was still, you mean. watching him you just knew there was something different
0: going back to the Rivera mentality with this team too and what do you do how much what he went through obviously impacted this franchise and, and, and the team but also now being back has an impact too because I mean I say being back being back full has an impact too how much do you think that has helped during this stretch
1: you mean you're talking about him being back health-wise? Being
0: back health-wise and full and being able to coach the way he wants to yeah, without having yeah, to be exhausted. Yeah, he, he talked
1: about that. Like like Detroit was the first time when he really felt like that. And I think it's a part of it, definitely. I, I also think that that adversity early – not to, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of different things over the year, you know, that this has been a crazy year off the field for this franchise and all the, the COVID and everything else and the restrictions of that that have, that have held things back. But the adversity of watching your coach go through cancer and, I, you know, the, the game that always will stick in my mind is the Baltimore game when I, I just really didn't even know how he was even on the field and why he was there and what was going on. And, you know, this is a day he just needed to go home, but he was still out there coaching. And what that did for those guys I think that adversity and surviving it is, is, is immense. Yeah. And then to, the, you know, to have him then come back full and be the guy that you know, he, he was going to be and the guy he really is, I think has allowed, too, that this team to feel more comfortable and to have something inside of them, whatever that is, because they went through that adversity. You know, so much of this game is about surviving adversity. Yeah. And you know he's that's that's kind of what he's about, and that's kind of what the idea when they talk about trying to find identity for this team, that kind of seems what it is, right? You know. Oh, absolutely. Survives and grinds and kind of chugs along.
0: Speaking of adversity, Dwayne Haskins got in there today, and for the first time since he was benched in Week Four, what did you make of his play?
1: You know, I thought uh, I, <laughs> I thought he did what he needed to do. That was not a great performance. He missed some throws. There were even some balls that were caught. They weren't perfect throws. He looked at times a little rusty. Uh, you know, obviously kind of towards the end of the game, you're kind of holding your breath, especially when he almost had an interception. Yeah. But I do think overall he did what he had to do. He managed the game. And, you know, I, I, it was interesting to see Rivera's reaction afterward. He seemed very happy with Haskins' with play. And for a person who hasn't seemed very happy with Haskins, you know, in, in recent weeks, that says that I think they felt like he was kind of listening and, and, you know, sort of took you know took to heart some of the things that they had said that they wanted to see from him. And, you know, I think they felt like maybe he was a little more prepared for this game than he had been for some of the ones when he started. That was the feeling I took from it. And, yeah.
0: Go ahead. Sorry, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to cut you off there, less, But, yeah, I think, I think that, listen – when you haven't played in a couple of months, it's hard to go in there and be sharp right away. And it's also, I will also say, I don't, you know, he, he, Dwayne talked about some of the extra stuff he's been doing, but it's really hard to only start doing that stuff now and then expect to have instant results when you go back in, because there was a long way to go with that. So I don't want to make this case. Like he just, he was doing this stuff. He comes in here and he wasn't great. And then that's just who he is. We don't, we still don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be happy with what he showed, um, or I've already given up on him, that's fine. But if he's doing all that work, it's going to take a long time for it to truly pay off. Um, so yeah, today his his main job was don't lose the game. And he did convert a couple he did con, you know a couple throws in the first drive, got a field goal out of it, ran the ball well. Um, but there you know there's there's a long way to go with him. But if he has to go in there and play, do you think he'd be good enough to lead this team? Well, that was the thing.
1: I mean, I think a little bit of today was about leading. Uh, you know, I, I kind of just finished writing something about this where, you know, I sort of start the story by, by saying, you know, that, you know, kind of the, the feeling about this, this, uh, this little run that the team has had ha- has been that it all bases, you know, it's all kind of predicated on how well does that right foot of Alex Smith hold up or that right leg. And today suddenly there was well, that right leg. There's a problem. Right. And you know, that thing that we've always kind of had in the back of our minds was suddenly there. And yet he, you know, Haskins came in and, you know, at least gave them a little bit of comfort that if you have to, you can play. And it also maybe put a little bit of a thought in their minds as they look towards the future. Cause I still think maybe the way things have been headed, if Alex can kind of hold together, that Alex might be their short-term answer while they try and figure out a long-term solution, whether it's a Dwayne or somebody else at quarterback, you know, meaning next year that, that right. Alex could play that position. Now maybe that gives you another thought about what, what you want to do next year. Maybe Dwayne's back in the picture a little more. I don't know. But I think yeah. it, I think today at least put a little bit of a thought in in everybody's head of, okay, well, that's a step forward. Let's see where it goes.
0: Let's see where it goes. And I think the things that we don't know at this point are things that you'd heard about them the first time, which is – not always setting the protection rights, not always going through his reads the right way, that stuff that you find out later when he's given some time to when you, you know what I mean? Like there's still stuff that we don't know about his game. And because those are the things like if he's handling that stuff right, then it's going to improve. If he wasn't handling that stuff right, then there's, then he has no future here because it would have been the same mistakes that he got benched for. And we don't know that yet. It didn't look like he was making the wrong reads. It didn't seem like that. But those are the things that I'd be curious to know more of, because that gives us a fuller picture of what they might look at him for the future. Because we see, we saw what we saw on the field. They know what is supposed to happen on those plays. And if he's handling that right, that to me is where he would have improved well, as much as whatever happened on the field today.
1: So, something Rivera said, a word Rivera said today, uh, and I hadn't seen him use about the winning before, it was poise. Right uh, you know they had, they had a ball on their, on their one yard line, and there was some poise and and how they handled that and and again obviously you're not trying to get a touchdown out of that. you're just trying to get off your one yard <laughs> line uh, but I, I do think that there were you know, it, it, well we'll see where it all goes, but I, I I think it I got a sense that they were happier, and I also think that again, when we're looking at where this team goes this year, I think a lot of it's going to depend on Alex Smith's legs sure and you know. Then that the the worst in some ways happened today. Obviously, the worst would be that he couldn't play anymore. But the worst that had happened in in terms of this game, he wasn't out there, and we saw that you know, Dwayne Haskins could still help him win the game.
0: Do you do you think this team? I mean, listen, they've won four in a row, six and seven. And it's funny because we've gone from a team in the NFC East might win with only five wins to now like you might get a team that's five hundred or, or has a winning record that wins this division. Where do you think this team goes from here
1: I don't know it's a good question I think you know they they they're doing a good job of staying week to week uh, this coaching staffs done a good job of keeping them focused uh, the leaders on this team seems to have done a good job of keeping their you know the player the other players focused and I don't know I don't know where it goes uh, there are you know I think we would look at the schedule and say there are two winnable games out of the remaining three. I would also say that the last three games weren't, you know, weren't things that looked winnable before. Right. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I still always felt that whoever won this division would at least win it at seven and nine, uh, maybe eight and eight, but seven and nine. Someone mm-hmm. would make that run. This is a team making the run now. You know, you only need one to get to seven and nine. That might be enough. Uh, I, I I really don't know. I really they could beat Seattle next week, and I wouldn't be surprised. They could also lose by three touchdowns to Seattle next week, and I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, right? Because it's Seattle. So I just you know <laughs> I, I I think I think we just have to look at it right now. Is this is just something that just keeps going week to week, and who knows where it goes?
0: And you know, Les, like every time I think about this division, and we did an NFC East roundtable with my other the other my colleagues for ESPN last week. And all I keep coming back to is, do you really want to bet against a team that is a coach who fought and beat cancer during the season and has a quarterback who came back from what he did and is out there now? Do you really want to bet against that team? Now, things can go wrong, but, like, there just seems to be a – like we talked earlier, this would be my last question, but there does seem to be a mentality and a resolve that has developed just throughout everything they've gone through, and will that be enough?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, remember too, they're a little healthier than a lot of other teams. I mean, a lot. Hel- we'll see after the end of today because a lot of guys got hurt. But right. I mean, you know, they've won these games in the last few weeks against teams that have lost some key players. Now, Washington's lost key players for you know for for years now. Right. So I, you know, these things happen in football. You have to win the games when True. you're playing teams that are a little bit depleted. This was a depleted team today. But you still have to win that game. And so many times this team has not taken advantage of games like this in the past. Uh, and earlier in the season, this team wasn't ready to take you know advantage right. of teams like that. Uh, the, Ram,
0: the Rams got swept by this team.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, and so, you know, I, I really do think that, you know, this Washington team has got a little bit more maturity, a little bit more understanding, a little bit more of an ability and, knock on wood for them, health. That I think that you know they, they could make a, a decent run here. Who knows? Uh, you know I think it's uh, I. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows where it goes? But again, Les- the hot teams in December are the teams that that play well into January. We'll see where that goes.
0: Les, the twists and turns that you and I have covered the last couple of years are unbelievable. And this is another one. This is the first time though where it's like it's actually a positive story to write about so anyways i appreciate your time have a safe flight back and and you know thank you for coming on
1: see you next week
0: that's it for this episode thanks to les for joining me and thank you for listening you are being rewarded for your patience and thanks to Lono coffee for their continued support i'll be back with another episode i believe it'll either be tuesday night or wednesday morning when I'll have a conversation with former Washington running back John Riggins. I'll talk to you next time.